Today on My Matters Radio, the president of Focus on the Family, Jim Daly, talks to Rita Schulte and me, Richard Petey, about the road that led him to becoming a leader at home through work and in community. It's a story and a course on how to navigate obstacles of everyday life and how one man overcame all odds in finding home. Okay, so... President, focus on the family. Ray kind of gave you that quick background. I'm basically really messed up. <laughs> and uh, if it wasn't for Jesus when I was 15 and a football coach who said, <laughs> you need help, uh, that I wouldn't be here. I'd probably be in prison. Don't you think? <laughs> and uh, so that right from the get-go, that's the bottom line. It's all the Lord. It's his grace in our lives that brings us through these things and prepares us for things. I remember walking down the hallway. Dr. Dobson told me, we think you're the guy that should take it forward. I started laughing. I was like, no. I used to pray. Don Hodell, who was uh, President Reagan's Secretary of Interior and Energy, He was on the board of Focus on the Family. So Don Hodel came in for two years as the interim president to to start the transition process. So, I mean, coming behind Dr. Dobson, Don Hodel. I mean, Jim, who? No, it's okay. I I like that position. It feels bad for me. You are great. But... You know, I was, we used to pray, my wife and I, this is the truth. We would kneel down by the bed before we fell asleep, and I, I would pray for the poor guy coming behind Don Hodel. Because, I mean, who wants to fill those shoes? A mind is a terrible thing to waste. You cannot define yourself in reference to other external coordinates. You must define yourself internally with your relationship with a higher entity. Stop it! Hello, everyone. This is Richard Beatty, and this week we have a special guest, Jim Daly. He's been at the helm of Focus on the Family, leading the media ministry, who, as we like to say, counsels culture and who helps families thrive. Rita, you were on Focus on the Family Daily Radio program. What was that like? Well, it was pretty amazing, actually. It was uh, a pleasure to meet all those folks. They were so kind, uh, made me feel so welcome and so at home, especially talking about such a difficult uh, topic as surviving suicide loss, which, by the way, Jim's wife, Jean, uh, she was also on the program because her brother had taken his life some 20 years ago. And so, as you know, we're going to have Jean as a guest in a couple of weeks to talk about kind of the unrecognized mourners, siblings of suicide loss. So I'm excited to have that conversation with Jean. 
Yes, uh, I am also. Uh, Jean's a, a great person, uh, and uh, she, you know she's raised two boys, two sons. Yeah, yep. two sons who are who are adults now, and uh, I I kind of met them when they were were young kids. And uh, Jim's Jim's a great dad. I think this will be great uh, for our our Father's Day broadcast because of uh, of Jim as a dad, uh, and that that also talks a little bit about his leadership. Oh, without question. I mean, it's staggering. The man grew up in just horrific circumstances, and to see him now running family-focused ministry when his family life was absolutely non-existent uh, is pretty amazing and just attributed to the grace and glory of God. Yes, it, it really does. You know, I was at Focus on the Family during the transition from Dr. James Dobson to Jim Daly's leadership. Jim's great respect for Dr. Dobson was apparent from the get-go. Uh, the, the background's very different, as you know. Uh, Jim's, uh, Jim's way was to help bring the political tone down and to reach out to all kinds of families. Uh, you know, his, his management Management style, very, very different. Uh, Dr. Dobson's credentials and micromanagement is a generational type of thing uh, more than anything else. Uh, you know, I've written for both men. Uh, Jim Daly. Yeah, that is so cool, Richard. That is just so cool that you have seen all of that and been a part of all of that. I, I just I love that. I I, I so uh, respect you and and what a cool uh, place to work and be a part of. I, I think when I was there, the thing that stood out was just there was just such a love and uh, a sense of love for God and mission and purpose there. And that's really pretty cool and amazing in a culture right now that we exist in where family and values and all of that is so threatened. Uh, to see that there is a place where people are still fighting the fight. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jim, Jim came at a time that ministry roles were changing for, for leaders. Uh, a lot of ministries were changing at the time, blended families uh, with kids who were in early childhood and also having kids down the line, all the way down to diapers. And so they had toddlers and uh, they had these adult children almost. Uh, you know, they were they were at least in high school. And that's that's the way the culture is now. Uh, we have so many uh, blended families in age groups. And we have parents right now who are also taking care of their aged parents as well. Yes, absolutely. Well, spend a minute telling the listeners what it was like for you to be a part of that. Two errors, really. Two two very different men, one passing the torch to another and and your, you know, take on your whole time at Focus. Yes, and uh it was, you know, it was a time with the the whole political tone. There's everything from this this whole change to gay marriage and that whole change of 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 trying to find help for people who trying to find a balance of that where you're not condemning the culture and that's why we say counseling culture is is a lot better uh, it may be harder to do than to cancel culture. You know, I think focus on the family has maintained 
probably a little more balanced line on how to do that now. I think Jim is a little more empathetic uh, on those things. And uh, so that's that's very, very apparent. That's really awesome. And Dr. Dobson, any words on him? But yes. Uh, you know, Dr. Dobson is... Who he, who he says he is, uh, he is uh, probably the one of the most uh, beloved and most maligned leaders uh, of, of our time. And uh, he has continued to be a voice for the family, just like he was when he first started this. I mean, he didn't have to do Focus on the Family. He was a very successful author and child psychologist. And when, That's right. Yeah, I keep forgetting. He was a child psychologist because, yeah, I used to read all his books. Yeah. And he, I was raising my kids. Yeah. How he uh, started Focus on the Family was he just uh, hung a sign on a, on a storefront window that said, help for families here. Think, really? Yeah. And I think Focus still has that uh, as you as you were there on the campus and whether you hear it on the radio or anything else, uh, they certainly changed the brand to helping families thrive, which uh, can mean a lot of different things. Finding home. Yeah, I remember that slogan, actually, turning her heart toward home. Yeah, turning hearts. Wow. They even had a song and everything else. So. Wow. I hadn't thought about that in donkey's years, but that was exactly <laughs> what it was. What is very, don- very good donkey's years. My mother-in-law used to say that all the time. She was from England and I never really understood, you know, what is donkey's years? Mean? Now, did she, <laughs> so, did she, she was English. Did she say donkey or did she say donkey? She said donkey. Yeah. Like she said so many funny words, you know, or not funny, but just I loved how she pronounced things. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very British. Very British. Even how even how she'd say my name, it was so cool because it just just made it sound more regal, you know. How uh, did, you mean she rolled her R when she said Rita? <laughs> I don't think she rolled it, but I don't know. It was just it, yeah, it was more like a Rita. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Rita. Yeah, it was it was good, but the donkey's years, you know, I, I always took that and ran with it because I thought that was so funny. You read Jim's book, Finding Home. Oh, my gosh. I read the thing in one sitting. I was just so moved by it. Uh, Again, you know, just a story of such hope and and such resiliency. And for a guy who came from such a dysfunctional, I mean, you want to talk about a hot mess. This was it in a nutshell. And to be where he is today, you know, not in his prominence or, or any of that, but just his journey with with God, how he found Christ and how a person like that who had no role model for a strong father could, as you said, you know, turn into a great father. Yes. Yeah. So that that's God. That's God. I've actually traveled a little bit with Jim. Uh, I've been to Pittsburgh when he spoke at Heinz Field for the pastors gathering there. We've been to Cleveland. He couldn't do the Yankee Stadium uh, uh, prayer breakfast. And so, you know, he brought on Greg Smalley and into the ministry. That was uh, that was a big thing because Jim is a really good delegator. He brings uh, other leaders in who may be really strong at one area. And Greg, you know, his whole family is uh, they, they were marriage counselors, basically. And so, exactly. And so bringing people like that into the ministry, um, Jim has a really good eye for talent. Well, here's Jim Daly now. Take it away, Rita Schulte. Jim, welcome to Mind Matters. Rita, it's good to be with you. Oh, my gosh, Jim. I read (laughs) your book, Finding Home, in one sitting. 
and just so moved by your story. I, I really had no idea. It's, it's unbelievable that a guy who literally had no sense of family growing up uh, grows up to run one of the most prominent ministries in the country that is focused on family. So, <laughs> God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Amen. Can you start us out by sharing some of your story? Yeah, you know, it's funny because when you put it that way, it's it's so true. I remember when Dr. Dobson asked me if I'd be willing to take it over. And I was like, no, I don't want to be that guy because I felt, I mean, deep inadequacy, you know, coming from a broken home. And so that story, you know, that night as I was trying to sleep, which I didn't sleep that entire night, the next day we were doing this big investiture service and I was wrestling with the Lord going, Lord, you got the wrong guy. You know, you got the wrong guy, Lord. <laughs> and, you know, in the middle of the night, I just heard his little, you know, subtle impression in my mind and soul, which was, it's not about you. <laughs> you knew it was coming from the outside because who would think that it's always about us. Yeah. And it was just this subtle voice. It's not about you that I own it all. I own what's good. Like in Dr. Dobson's case, he came from a good home and I own what's broken. And that he just made that so, uh, you know, alive in me that night. I came bounding into the office the next day. You know, OK, I'm ready. So for me, it was kind of like the experience. I'm going to give you every family type so you can relate to every bit of brokenness. So I had the normal dysfunctional family that many families have right now, a broken home. My dad was an alcoholic. My dad. Uh, just couldn't get off of the bottle. And my mom was tired of it. And so when I was five, I was the last of five kids. I was the oops baby. Mm -hmm. My mom was 42 and she had me. And, uh, you know, that was it. And she took the five kids and went on the run and we moved. I think I had seven different elementary schools in those years just trying to stay ahead and out of the way of my dad who was trying to hunt us down constantly. And then my mom remarried three years later when I was eight, and it was an ex-military drill sergeant. This guy's name was Hank, so I, I nicknamed him Hank the Tank because he was <laughs> he was bad news for the Daly family. He did a, every Saturday morning. He did a white glove test at the house and would look for dust. And I remember one time he made me hang up my jacket five hundred times because I had left it on my bed. If you go to my closet today, yeah, 500. And I was naive enough that I did it. It was so funny. I could have laid on my bed three, four, but he had me shout out the number like a good military guy. He was in the kitchen doing something and he just had me shout the number out. But, you know, in a weird way, he brought me a lot of discipline. But he and my mom were only together about a year and a half. She died of cancer when I was nine. We get home from the funeral. Hank comes out of the back bedroom, just said, you know, I can't take the pressure. I didn't sign up to raise the kids. So I'm out of here. And we we're like, wow, okay, what happens to us? And my oldest brother was 19. I was nine. And there's three between us. And uh, three of us went to foster care. And my oldest brother and oldest sister kind of went on their own. And uh, so we were in foster care for a year. Then my bio dad reappeared. He comes back into my life and I am desperate to get out of that foster situation. So my sister and I, the two of us, the only ones being under 18 at the time, we moved back with my dad and my sister then graduated from high school. She turned 18. She went out on her own. The siblings didn't think it was wise for me to stay with my alcoholic father so I had to tell him I'm 11 years old and I had to say, dad, I don't want to live with you anymore because it's too dangerous. And it was not, 
it wasn't a good scene. I felt bad. He got up from that family meeting. I remember the living room we did it in and my siblings were like, you know, you got to tell him he's not going to hear it from us. So you need to tell him. Think of your 11 year old son saying to you those things. And I remember he got up to part of his graciousness, which I think was part of his character. And he came over and hugged me and he said, you know, I wasn't a good husband and I'm not a good father. And then he left that house. And I think about four or five months later, I'm living with my brother and uh, he, we got a phone call that he had died. You're listening to Mind Matters. I'm Richard Beatty. We're in the middle of a conversation with Rita Schulte uh, and Jim Daly, uh, president of Focus on the Family. We will return to the conclusion of the first part of the story that became the book Finding Home. Jim Daly is a leader of Focus on the Family based in Colorado Springs, he took the reins from from Don Hodel, and before that, of course, Dr. James Dobson. He has navigated through the culture much like he has had to navigate the obstacles of family life and growing up in California. It gives him a unique perspective and empathy for such a time as this. Here's the conclusion to this week's Mind Matters. It wasn't a good scene. I felt bad. He got up from that family meeting. I remember the living room we did it in and my siblings were like, you know, you got to tell him he's not going to hear it from us. So you need to tell him. Think of your 11 year old son saying to you those things. And I remember he got up to part of his graciousness, which I think was part of his character. And he came over and hugged me and he said, you know, I wasn't a good husband and I'm not a good father. And then he left that house. And I think about four or five months later, I'm living with my brother. And uh, he, we got a phone call that he had died. Yeah, that I remember you sharing that. And when you got that phone call, you said nothing. Your brother no, I, told you, and you—you you, it was yeah. like you said nothing. What was going on in your 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 heart? Well, I mean, you're the counselor, so we can do an open counseling <laughs> session here. I think you know. I was laying on the couch. Ironically, I was watching <laughs> reruns of "I Love Lucy." Don't ask me why. I mean, I'm—I probably what I'm in seventh, eighth grade. Wow. And I remember my brother put the phone down and said, "Dad's dead," and I looked over my shoulder and just said, "Oh, that's too bad." And then look back and started watching TV again. I think it, you know, you can you can explain it to us. But I think for me, it was just putting up those barriers, yep. those things to protect my heart that, you know, if you think about it, Rita, I had all of the father figures in my life were, were not very trustworthy at that time. So my bio dad with his alcoholism, my stepdad with his fear, I guess, or his abandonment. And then I had a Mr. Real out of foster care who accused me of trying to kill him at nine years old. It yeah, was all... that was that was an insane story. Like that was like, yeah, what a hot mess that was. That was like you were living like in a rat hole. You well, were living Twilight in a rat Zone. Hole. Twilight Zone for sure. And I, I think I just felt like, uh, man, am I the only one in the room that knows what is true? And I think the Lord used that. You know, it's a, it is a terrible story, but God uses so much good stuff that comes out of valleys, in my opinion. And I'm, you know, in some ways, I'm very grateful that I had that journey. It was not easy. It was hard. 
But I learned a lot about myself, about people around me, about human nature, about what it means to have character, mm -hmm. uh, because I didn't see it around me. And it's kind of that pendulum effect, you know, Rita, where you end up hopefully becoming better than what you experienced as a child. And I think that's what happened. I think God just gave me the grace to be able to see what was true and what was appropriate and what was a better path. And I didn't really own my dad's decision making. I always thought those were things he decided. I don't need to own them as an eight-year-old. Uh, and I think it made me a far healthier person. We'll have more with Jim Daly next time on Mind Matters. So I want to say to you tonight, I am not a perfect husband and I'm not a perfect father. And I brought evidence to let you know why. So I was out at a Jewish Christian dialogue dinner, my wife Jean and I. Let's show the family photo. <laughs> this is a little older. This is a couple years ago, but can you point out Dennis the Menace in this one? <laughs> okay, I think you got it. So that's my wife Jean, and that's Trent, my oldest, and Troy. And so uh, the night before this dinner, I had bought at Hobby Lobby, I had bought a uh, $14.99, this uh, test tube experiment where you connect the battery, the 9-volt battery, whatever, with cables to these uh, test tubes with metal in them, and you submerge, submerge them underwater, and overnight, then it replaces the water with hydrogen gas. Any scientists in here? Hydrogen gas is rocket fuel. And then as a father, you light the, the, the uh, test tubes, and they go kaboom. And your kids go, wow, you are the coolest dad. But I left it out on the counter the next night. And I want to play for you the phone. This is the actual phone message that we got from Troy, the younger, Dennis the Menace. Hi, Mommy. Jason actually was dumb enough to um, get the battery I put my tongue on in a mini junk cable and actually plug it in the DVD player and it caught smoke. But don't worry, it did not uh, fire. This is Troy, and by, and by the way, Trent did it, okay? Okay. Have I been Bushwick? Okay, There's more. Oh, sorry. Don't go easy on <laughs> All right, so I just got to confess, we are not perfect parents. You know what's funny? The first time I played that clip, I forgot about Trenton was dumb enough. And I'm going, you know, and I had the darts of some of the parents like, how could you let your son say that? <laughs> I'm not perfect, uh, but they're great kids. And for me, it was a real lesson. It, to me, it reminded me of Cain and Abel, <laughs> you know, and Trent did it. Trent, I came home and Troy, in order to inflict even more pain, he had said, dad's going to kill you when he gets home. So Trent was hiding. I, and honestly, I don't beat my children. And Trent's hiding because he doesn't know, and I, he, but he's a scientist. So he comes out, and I found him, and I said, give me a high five, high five. And I said, next time, just don't plug it into the wall, and we'll be okay. I know you're my scientist, but it's so much fun being a father. And I know uh, mom's got a special, special place, but being a dad, I love it. And I think, you know, growing up with, without a good role model as a father is no excuse not to be a good dad. Yeah. Sorry to bury you right there, but uh, you know what? 
our Heavenly Father breaks those things. We have to follow his principles. And you can actually break the tradition, the lineage of that sin in your family. And uh, what a great thing to do for a father. So let's do it. Hey, tonight, what I thought I'd talk to you about, I know this is going to be a family conference and all that, and there'll be an application in that way, but I want to talk about our attitude. Because one of the things I've struggled with is attitude. And how do I mean that? I'm talking about our attitude toward the world, toward sinners. <laughs> and it's more of a journey if you'd walk with me and just struggle with me through some of the scriptures. I wrote that book, Refocus. And as I got into the New Testament, it's tough to find a place where God is really being harsh toward the world. I mean, that's kind of the Old Testament. You get to the New Testament, thank the Lord we live in this, in this time. That we, we live after Jesus hung on the cross and died for our sins. Because the yoke is heavy to carry the burden they carried in the Old Testament. Do you agree? I mean, it's such a great thing to know the Lord Jesus Christ that he paid that price. But so often now we're forgetting that. I think when you get into the battle, especially when you look at what we're doing in the culture, trying to, you know, hold on to those things that we believed in. I think the question that keeps coming to my mind, do we trust God? Do we ultimately trust God that he's in control? I think so often now... um, we're, we're expressing we don't. I have non-believing friends who will say to me, do you guys, do you not have confidence in what you believe? <laughs> These are tough questions. And I'd say, well, why? And they'd say, well, you guys seem fearful. You seem like you lack confidence that your God's in control. <laughs> These are non-believers. And I'm sitting there going, well, I'm sorry. Uh, you were anxious, uh, you know. But we've got to remember what the scriptures are all about. And I'll tell you what, growing up as a boy in all of that turmoil, I'll tell you what, you've got to come to the place in your faith in Christ that your circumstances do not dictate your hope. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, uh, Obamacare is not not the book of Revelation. I mean, it may be a mess. (laughs) I can see some of your faces, man. The darts are already coming. We wind this thing up. It's a problem, but there are ways to correct these things. But <laughs> that could happen. But, but the point is, there's scripture that guides the Christian on how we're supposed to deal with this. And one of the things that I'm learning as I sit down with people who oppose us is, um, you know what? I don't want to lose my the character of Christ in me through the Holy Spirit, what he gives us, I cannot lose that character in this cultural battle. If I do that, I've lost, I've lost. I've not won. Um, And I, you know, I can, (laughs) I can really lean into righteousness. It's a nice place to lean into because basically I feel a little more righteous than that guy because I don't do the things he does. You ever feel it? You know, it's so natural for the human heart to lean in that direction. I am so much better than them. But you know, when you look at that list in the New Testament, whether fornication, uh, lying, let me say that one again, lying, gossip, slander, and I love that one, if you have ever looked upon a woman and lust in her heart, you've already committed adultery. Let's not talk about that one. I was at, I was at this uh, book signing for Refocus, and this is a, a very liberal guy in Colorado Springs, Richard Scorman. Hey, Richard. Uh, 
He is a councilman in town, liberal, uh, runs a pizza bookshop near the Colorado College. And he said, I'd love to have you come down and do a book signing. I'm like, okay. And sure enough, uh, he brought a lot of his friends, including some activists who don't believe things that we believe. And the man stood up and he said, you know, when are Christians going to get off of their high horse on human sexuality and just relax? Next time on My Matters, we'll be talking to Jim Daly, and we'll be talking about our approach to ministry. I'm Richard Beatty, and that's next week on Mind Matters.